Welcome today to Kingdom Concepts. I'm back in the studio with my dear friend, Dr. Daryl Rogers, and we have been having such a good time. Uh, you know, uh, we've taken uh, this month to be discussing what prayer is, the power of prayer, you know, how to pray effectively, you know, what the prayer of faith is, and uh, we're just getting started. I, I wish we could record the stuff that that's been in the middle of these episodes because it's just so rich. Um, but uh, if you haven't already, uh, hit that subscribe button. Amen. Like this, share this. Amen. We want to help as many people as possible. We know that your prayer life is important. Amen. That fellowship that you have with God, your ability to be able to communicate with him. Amen. And him to be able to speak into your life is vital. It's, it's essential. Amen. If you're going to be able to accomplish great things, amen, with the life that you're living for the Lord. And so we want to help you, amen, to tap into that prayer life and it becomes something very rich, amen. Grab your Bible, grab a notebook, amen, uh, and get ready for a great, great time. Um, we just got done talking about what prayer is and we also talked about what prayer isn't. But, you know, during, during the, the break, um, you were beginning to share how life was, you know, growing up in the church, um, because your testimony, you, you have a perspective that is very unique um, to where you've seen your father go from, uh, you know, uh, being a hardworking man in the natural. You know, he, he was he was a marketplace minister and then God called him into full time ministry. And how old were you when when the Lord called your father into full time ministry? I was probably about six or seven. All right. You know, and so you you got to see things transition from. From the beginning all the way through his ministry, even into God calling you into full-time ministry, as well as being a doctor, you know, being a dean, you know, to where you've, you know, thousands. I'm sure there are thousands of people that you have personally, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, ministered to, especially because you have such an extensive knowledge. And that's what I love about you. This man's like a walking Bible. Um, but you've got this history, though. Uh, of of prayer and how important it is and 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 you've got you you've had the ability to see you know where things kind of began and how things have evolved to the day that we're in and what prayer was then versus what prayer is now the results that you've seen back then versus maybe the results that you're seeing right now um, can you just kind of take us into your life and and tell us about what it was you know seeing your father stepping into ministry and how important prayer was, uh, and, and, you know, and, and how important it was to see what prayer accomplished. Well, you know, my grandparents the, on the Rogers side, they were dedicated to the Lord. My grandfather got healed of a terminal uh, disease, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he could not speak English for three days. Wow. It's actually in the history of the Assemblies of God. Wow. And so, so my, my family, there's seven brothers and sisters. So my family, they got raised in church. Because my, my grandfather, man, I loved my grandfather. Amen. You know, and he was an, a good old Portuguese guy, you know. But he never was very affectionate, you know. He, but you knew he loved you. And so the thing of it is, is that you didn't stay at their house without going to church. Come on. 
You know, that's just the way it was. It wasn't an option. To no, stay it home. wasn't an option. And my grandmother, she was the Sunday school superintendent at that church for 50 years. Sunday school superintendent. So she would get up in the morning and she would go down, light the furnaces, set out all of the Sunday school materials, you know, and then she would play the piano uh, for the break, you know, before we went to the Sunday school classes, mm -hmm. you know. And I can still remember, she was a big woman, mm -hmm. and she would beat that piano, and you could see that <laughs> piano bouncing, man. But you know, I, you know, I'm I'm just a kid, and I never forget this. My dad was was sitting on the right hand side of the of the sanctuary, facing the uh, the podium, and there was a missionary. And he preached the convicting message, you know. I mean, you could sense the power of God. And my dad stood up with tears running down his face. Yeah. And he said, today, I accept the call of God upon my life. I'll never forget him saying that, man. Wow. Well, we had gone from being very wealthy him gave gave everything away to we our first church was on an Indian reservation in Lone Pine, California. Mm -hmm. And it was a three-walled shack because the fourth wall was the pastor that had been there before. And we have a tent. Mm -hmm. So the tent was the sanctuary. And the three-walled shack was where we lived. So for a while, the fourth wall was just a great big military canvas. Mm -hmm. And so I watched my dad, within three and a half years, he bought a piece of property in Lone Pine and built a church that, if I'm not, you know, if I remember correctly, went right at 160 people in that church in a population of Lone Pine that was about 1,500 people. That's a mega church. That's a mega church. Yeah. And so we had Indians in the church, and we had people from the, from the neighborhoods, you know, in the church. And honestly, I, I don't know if we knew what we know now, but what we knew was operational. Mm -hmm. Because I saw my father operate in the miraculous realm. Some of the greatest miracles that I've ever seen in my life until I went to Africa, mm -hmm. was there in that church. And like I said, church was really, you know, we, two services on Sunday. So you had the night service too, which mm -hmm. was more evangelistic. <clears throat> but the Sunday morning service, you know, it lasted till 12, 11 to 12. One hour. One hour. Hour of power. Hour of power, you know. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that I have my dad's notebook. Right and and my, and his Bible and my mom's Bible, and the only reason I got that is because some of my relatives went to a house and they stole them, <laughs> so I got them. <laughs> so I probably shouldn't say that, but <laughs> it's forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> but you know the thing of it is, is that I can remember as a young kid. Being in Baldwin Park, I went to Baldwin Park High School as a, you know, I graduated from Baldwin Park High School. And I can remember walking into my mom and dad's bedroom with tears running down my eyes. 
And I said, I don't know what to do with myself because most of my friends that joined the military mm -hmm. and they tried to get me to join the military and cut my hair off, you know, so I, I love my hair. <laughs> so nice hair. I, I wasn't going to cut my hair off or nothing, you know. <laughs> so, so anyhow, my dad said, why don't you just go to Azusa Pacific for one semester and maybe you'll find yourself. Mm. So I went to Azusa Pacific, which today is an extremely liberal college. Yeah, it's changed. Yeah, it's changed. But from there, I transferred to uh, Southern California Bible College, which is Vanguard University now. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's a good college. And you know, I I wasn't I, you know I wasn't really hungering and thirsting after God in the sense that. I prayed a lot and studied a lot and, you know, because that wasn't even the mix. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the thing of it is, is that I can remember chapel services where this guy named Ray Schock, who was a pastor in Glendale, California, and he would come and he would hold chapel services. You know, we had about 400 students mm -hmm. and he would hold chapel services. And I'm not kidding you. Those services would last for days because nobody would leave the presence of the Lord. So all of those things I got to taste mm -hmm. and experience a, a little bit. But because of this, the situations that happened with my mother and father in ministry, I resented the ministry. Mm -hmm. I resented the assemblies of God because of the way that they would send out that notification, they would blast pastors that had fallen into sin or something like mm -hmm. that, you know? And so, you know, I, I thought, oh my gosh, man, where's the love in all of this stuff, you know? But you know, the thing of it is, is that the seed that my mom and dad sowed in me, when I got, when I came to Visalia in 1980, I knew that I belonged. Mm -hmm. It's the first time, Josh, I'll be honest with you. It's the first time in my life I knew I belonged. You, did, did God speak something to you where you knew this is exactly where you know, your feet needed you know, to be? Ron, Halver you Ron Halverson was my pastor. Mm -hmm. And so Eddie Duncan came out of, out of uh, Believer's Church, mm -hmm. Riverside Bethel Assembly. Great church. And so when I got invited to come, you know, because Eddie was my friend. Mm -hmm. And so when I got invited to come, because Eddie said that, he said, D, I, I, I think you're supposed to be here, man. And he started crying. Mm. And so I went back and I talked to Ron and Ron said to me, he said, Daryl, you know, you've been divorced, man. And then the AG, man, you're not yeah. going anywhere, man. Yeah. So he said, I think this is a God opportunity. I would say, go and do this. Mm. So because I had just learned the word of faith, because I'd been listening to the word of faith for about four years, five years. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I knew about confession and I knew about setting your faith on something. So here I am. I, and I, you know, I don't know, I didn't know then what I know now. Yeah. But I said to God, okay, God, we're going to put this house up for sale. And I don't want to have this house on the market for a long time. 30 days, the one or the first or second person coming into that house is going to be moneyed up and they're going to buy that house. It's going to be a short escrow. 
The second person that walked into that house, they bought that house for full price, 30-day escrow. Wow. So here I am going to Visalia because God opened that door. Let me ask you a question. When uh, you had said you'd already been into the word of faith for like four years. Four years. How did... Uh, how did what dynamics did you notice? What shifted between what you'd been raised in to that point where you had a firm understanding? Like, I mean, where you're now you've got you're looking at the Bible through a whole different set of eyes. Um, how did it affect your prayers? Like you said, you know, you're praying for that house to sell that quick. How did coming into the faith like you because now you're praying more a prayer that's more established. Right. On faith. What how did, how was the dynamic of that different? I just believed. Was it easier, like an easier yeah, belief? Yeah, because, you know, you, I didn't know so much that I didn't know all of the ins and outs about not believing. <laughs> That's good. I just knew to believe because, you know, I, I'm listening to Charles Capps. I'm listening to Jerry Seville. I'm listening to Kenneth Copeland, Hagen, uh, you know, John Osteen. And I'm listening to all those guys, and they're saying that your faith is in your mouth. Yeah. Mark so if you believe it, you got to say it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so I just said it. Because, you know, this was the charismatic renewal. Mm -hmm. So we got Catholic priests and nuns on the right-hand side of the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And they're raising their hands and they're dancing before the Lord because Judson Cornwall had written two books, one on worship and one on praise. So the people were dancing before the Lord. Then there was a prophetic move. Mm -hmm. And so there was people prophesying all over the place. Matter of fact, the word, the first word of prophecy I got, I got from Annie Halverson and she turned and looked at me. Now I had known him because I went to Bible college with him. So mm -hmm. I knew her. Yeah. And so she looked at me and she said, Daryl Rogers, stand up. And she said, you're going to be prosperous because God has called you to be prosperous. Mm. Well, that was the first word I had ever received, man. Wow. You know? And so the thing of it is, is that I have set out to destroy that word because, <laughs> you know, I'm hanging on to the word, but I'm not hanging on to God like I should, right? Yeah. And so when I got called to the coast after the Believer's Church, and, you know, I got, I got to tell you, I, I saw some miraculous things happen at the Believer Church. We used to have miracle services, man, where multitudes of people would receive their healing. Eye, blind eyes open, deaf okay. ears. And, you, you know, honestly, it wasn't sophisticated like we have a tendency to be now, mm -hmm. you know. But, you know, the thing of it is, is that it just proved to me that God is God. So even though I failed God because I, I had too much pride mm. and I was thinking too much about myself. So I, you know, I told Eddie, I said, you're a jerk, man. You know, <laughs> you know which he was. He admitted it. You know? <laughs> Truth but hurts you know, sometimes. <laughs> but the thing of it is, is that he always remained my friend mm -hmm. up until he died. Amen. And so when I went to the coast, and then God said to start a church, I was up praying, uh, you know, because that's the one thing I learned how to do. I learned how to talk to God. And so I was just by myself, and I was just having a conversation with God. And God says, I want you to open a church. 
and I argued with God. I go, God, there's churches on every corner. They're like gas stations, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And so God said this to me. You're going to do what I tell you to do, or you're going to do what you do? Mm. That's, that'll wake you up. Yeah. So he indicated exactly where I should go. That, that, play, that first place on Los Osos Valley Road mm -hmm. in that Bear Valley Shopping Center, mm -hmm. I knew where, right where to go because he said, go there. You know, I had some other ideas, mm -hmm. but I knew that God had said, go there. Isn't it so important? I mean, when prayer accomplishes so much. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what, what I've learned is kind of like what you're expressing, that it causes you not to waste time when you have an effective prayer life to where you know how to present your petition, but you also know how to tarry to receive answers to that petition. Um, uh, when it came to the Lord speaking that to you, um, what would you tell people that are that maybe God's spoken to them what he wants? Maybe there's some of you watching or listening to this program right now, and you have the word of the Lord. It's not You don't even need to pray. You know what God's told you to do. What are the challenges if people don't obey God? Once you know, like you said, you kind of, you know, had a disagreement with God about starting the church. What are the dangers that, I mean, versus if, if you wouldn't have done it, I mean, tell us what's happened. I mean, because you accomplished a lot of great things. Well, the thing of it is, is that you, you're always got to be on guard that your spiritual life is not affected by the natural realm. Because I can, you know, cite many examples of where I refused to do what God told me to do, and then I suffered the consequences. Mm -hmm. When I did what God told me to do, it worked. When I did what I thought to do, mm -hmm. it didn't work. And so I never forget this. You know, I still drive the 101 over there in Pismo Beach. Yeah. And so when I go underneath the Fourth uh, Street Bridge which that's where we lived, up yeah. on the hill yeah. there. Beautiful. Yeah. And so when I go underneath that, I can still hear the voice of God because I was supposed to go meet the owners of that house, and they wanted us to be in that house. But I, I was afraid. I'll be honest with you. I was afraid to talk to him. So I'm coming out of a chaplain's meeting in Grover Beach, and I get on the 101, and I, I'm in the right-hand lane, and the Lord says, go talk to Johnny Zach. And I said, I don't know what to say to him, Lord. I changed lanes and got in the fast lane. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, how can I bless you if you won't obey me? Mm. I still hear that voice mm -hmm. when I go underneath that bridge. I can still hear that because the key is, if you're going to have success in life, you better learn how to obey God. Yeah, it's you know, I, I when you were speaking, I was reminded of the first time God sent me to Africa to Uganda. And make a long story short, I we we got there and uh, we were supposed to have like a day to be able to you know acclimate from you know a, a twenty-four hour journey or what have you or, or day and a half journey. And I remember they said, you know, there's a church that we told them would send somebody over there who wants to go. Well, nobody wanted to go. I'm like, I, I've been waiting eight years to come after. I'm like, I'll go. And I remember going. And while I was there, uh, I ministered and I 
And, and uh, I called people up that wanted prayer. And there was a guy that was there, and I thought the guy was sleeping the whole time I was preaching because he had his eyes closed. And, uh, and when I called people up for prayer, they brought this guy up, and he was blind. And his eyes, I'm not talking about a little bit of blind. I'm talking about his eyes were like yellowed over. Uh, and and I've, I've seen God open blind eyes. So sure. I went to go pray for him. And I heard God say, anoint his eyes with spittle. And I'm like, no, Lord, uh, we don't need that. I know that you can heal him. I have the faith for it. But it goes back to like what you said in prayer. It's like, man, when you have the word of the Lord, that is the right way. That is the way he's going to move. And I remember, you know, just kind of reasoning like what you were saying. When we get into that place where we start reasoning things, I think that's where you step out of the prayer of faith into the carnal realm. You do. And it's a dangerous place to be in. I know for myself, I was thinking, here I am. I'm with a team of people. I, I, I came under an invitation from a different minister. I'm not in the same camp as the people I'm with. So I'm thinking if I put spit on this guy's eyes, I'm not going to be doing nothing but staying in the, in the cottage <laughs> praying the next 17 days because they're going to think I got some weird spit ministry. And then I'm thinking I'm a white man in Africa spitting on a black man. <laughs> these people are going to spear me. And you're thinking all these crazy thoughts, you know. And I remember this is what the Lord told me. He said, did you come all the way to Africa to get disobedient? And I remember him telling me, he said, I will not anoint you this entire trip if you do not do what I said. And it's like, uh, it pays to do it God's way because even though I struggled with that, I said, okay, and granted, thank God he gives us wisdom. I had everybody close their eyes before I spit on the sky. You know what I'm saying? I just, everybody close their eyes. I don't want no eyes close open. Close your eyes and yeah. you don't hear. Yeah, and, and so I just kind of gently put some spit in my hands. And I did it. This guy gets healed. And the moment that I did that, I'm telling you, it was like a dam broke. Every person got healed in that service. I'm talking about some amazing miracles. There was a young man who had... He'd been in a motorcycle accident and he had damaged his heart to where literally he couldn't even speak. When I asked him what he wanted prayer for, he just grabbed my hand, put it on his chest, and my hand was literally bouncing off his chest. And, um, and I remember just praying and within a few seconds just, just went perfect. And I remember when I was leaving uh, and I was in the van like 30 minutes later, we're getting ready to leave and this guy comes running up there, he stops the van, he puts his head inside the window and he starts thanking me. It was the man that had been blind. Mm. His eyes were crystal clear, and he was thanking me, thanking me for, for praying for him. And the thought that I had that just has always stayed with me was, I was like, God, how many other ministers did you tell to do it this way? And, and they didn't. And what would have happened if I wouldn't have? You know? And it's like God's way is always the best way. But, you know, I think that as you, as you when you realize what prayer accomplishes, it doesn't accomplish our will. Our prayer is agreement with his will. And, uh, and there's a responsibility that comes with what's going to be accomplished comes responsibility because you are accountable for what you do with that, what was spoken. Like you said, God spoke to you and said, get out of the left lane, get in the right lane. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's so important for us to respond because somebody's life's going to be changed or not changed because of that obedience. Well, you know, the thing is, is that we always are tested with the decisions that we make. Because are we being led by the Spirit? We can say that all day long, but are we really? Yeah. You know, because the decisions that God makes for us, if we follow that mandate, He's the one that's responsible, not us. We're just responsible to obey Him. Amen. You know? So I, I look at it, I, I look at it like this. You know, West Coast has got great vision 
but we should be possessing the land. Amen. 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 And so I asked myself, why? Why aren't we? You know, because in the realm of the spirit, you know, we have great things happening in the spirit, but because I know this, that the reason that I'm here is to watch the fulfillment of that vision manifest. What God gave Eddie Duncan. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's going to happen. I know it is, man. The Bible says, though you, it, it tarry, you wait for wait it. Wait for it, for it'll surely come. I'm sure there are some of you that are watching that. <laughs> there are things that you've been praying for, or things that you know God spoke to you, and maybe those things haven't happened in your time frame. I'm telling you, continue to hold on to that word. God didn't give you that word for nothing. Amen. There, there comes a time where there's a performance of that. Amen. Amen. Prayer accomplishes great things. Amen. So hold on to that word. Amen. Refuse to let it go. Amen. Thank you for being our guest today. Amen. On Kingdom Concepts. And we look forward to being with you guys again real soon. God bless you.